is the technology show where we translate geek into regular speak. I'm your host, Brett Levy. So let's get straight into today's show. Um, I'm not sure if I did one last week, and it seems like we are going into the whole bi-weekly thing. So um, apologies. It used to be a weekly show, but uh, we need to get some more sponsors, some advertisers, and some more brands. So if you want more shows, we've got to get more people sponsoring and uh, getting brands going again in the show. So uh, let's bring up the slides and uh, go straight into it. So in things with a Z, um, if you're a regular listener or viewer of the show, you'll know that I'm a big fan of, uh, of Jabra's products. Uh, I mean, at any given moment in time, I've got them floating around here. You know how that works when you search for something and you can't find them. But they're there. Um, so when I was given the opportunity to oh, – sitting right next to me. I'll show you now. Just hold the horses. So um, when I was given an opportunity to review the new – Speak 255, I jumped right in. And I have to say, as with all the other products that I've reviewed from Jab Jabra, no disappointment here. So the Speak 2 replaces the Speak. I used to refer to it as the Speak Base, but that might have been a different product. Um, and they have three new models. So if you're watching the show, you'll see up on the screen, I've got the three models. It's the 40, the 55, and the 75. Now, the 40 and the 55 look pretty much the same, and they'll spect fairly equally too. The main difference, which is a big one, is the 40 doesn't have Bluetooth. So it's only a hard cabled connection. Um, if you don't need Bluetooth, and we'll talk about multi-point a little bit later on in the show, then it's no biggie. Um, I got to review the 55, so that does have Bluetooth. Um, the picture is pretty, if you're watching the same, I'm actually, there it is, got it in my hand over there. Um, so the 55, it's it's there all around, all right? It's the middle of the range. Um, I don't see, I, I haven't obviously got the 75 to compare it against. On paper, there's not much of a difference. So the 75 is bigger, as in the dimensions bigger. It's got a bigger speaker inside it. It has bigger battery life as well. The 55 gets a claimed 12 hours. I say claimed because I actually haven't run out of, of, of battery life yet. Um, and if I sit and work pretty much all day with it, with it uh, connected on Bluetooth, it seems to be there at the end of the day. So I do think that the claim is accurate. And based on previous experience with Jabra products, um, I've never been disappointed. Uh, I believe the 75 has over 30 hours, might even be 32 or 36 hours. So that's substantially bigger. Again, if you run around a lot more um, and you use Bluetooth a lot more, then Clearly, the 75 might be the way to go. So let's go back to my time with the 55. Now, first off, the sound in the speaker is super clear. It's obviously important when you're investing in a conference room or, in my case, a portable meeting room speaker. Um, the Bluetooth is actually critical for me as well. Um, I do have a hardwire connection to my Mac, but I pair it with Bluetooth to my phone. So basically, there's multi-point connectivity. You can use Bluetooth on the Mac and on the phone, I did it. It works seamlessly. For those of you that don't understand or know what multi-point is, I think it's only from Bluetooth 5.1 upwards. But what it does is it lets you connect multiple devices to the same Bluetooth peripheral, in this case, the Speak 2. But what it really does that's cool is, like, let's say I'm listening to music on my Mac, um, which, by the way, it has a fuller speaker sound than the inboard speakers on the Mac. 
and my phone rings, it pauses the music, I answer the phone, I speak, have the phone call, hang up the phone call, and the music starts playing again. And that's the power of multi-points. So it's quite important. Um, what I've actually been doing is, uh, as well is just leaving it plugged in every now and then so I can keep the battery charged, and then I'm not using the Bluetooth connection. So in that scenario, I'd actually have to manually pause um, to take the call. Not the end of the world, but yeah. So multi-point, that's what it does. Um, there's a soft touch control all the way around. I have got a picture up on the screen. So if, you, if you're watching, you can see all the little icons there that I took that was on my desk next to my Mac. I can hold it up and there it is there. I feel like a bit of an air hostess when I do that, right? And there I'm pointing around. But if you're listening to the show, what soft touch means is the buttons on physical buttons. You don't click them. They're there, they print it on, and they use a touchpad. So you just touch them and it works. Um, well thought out, powers at the top and mute microphones at the bottom. To the left of the mic is the plus and minus for volume up, volume down. And above that is the call answer and call hang up buttons, um, which, you know, if you want to answer your phone from the from the device, you can. And then right up at the top um, is the power button. Now, I actually received the Microsoft Teams version so there's a little microsoft teams button there as well when you push that there's certain enhancements and obviously protocols that are put in by the firmware and the software does have a software app as well that you can use to change some of the levels and just keep the device running but the teams um the teams button is if you use teams a lot i must be honest i don't but if you use teams a lot by pushing that button it will enhance the speak to even more for for teams um so yeah now, one of the cool things as well is the lighting system. So I'm actually just going to go back. If you're watching the show, I, I took that picture to show you. There's like a half arc white LED running around the speaker between the, the solid plastic and the speaker. And what that is, is when you increase volume, it goes up. And when you decrease volume, it goes down. Um, and when you power up and power on, it actually does a full little loop around as well. What I did notice as well when I updated the software, it actually goes um, like a purple um, lilac type color to show you that it's updating. Um, but as you touch, you can visually see the white line going around the speaker increasing or decreasing as your volume increases or decreases. So there's visual feedback there as well to show you what level of volume your microphone set at. And then this was another very cool feature about the Speak 2. So it has a green ring and a red ring. When you're on a phone call or a Zoom call or Teams call, etc., and your mic is active, you have this green ring around the speaker. When you mute your mic, it puts a red ring around it. Now, that's very cool so that you're not sitting on a meeting, you've muted your mic, you need to say something, and you start talking, and obviously no one can hear you. Um, and you get that uh, smoke signally, hand signally type thing, people going, can't hear, can't hear, you know. Um, it's very visual, very clear to see. Simple tap of the mute button on your Speak 2, and you're unmuted again. It will go back to green. So very nice, well thought out. Um, the Speak 2 also has duplex audio. Now, what that means is that more than one person can speak at the same time, and you can hear them. So if you think about a walkie-talkie, right, that's generally a singular. You hold the button, and you talk. The other person listens. You let go of the button. The other person can talk, and you listen. Um, if you don't know that the person's trying to hold the button because you can't see them because you're not with them, it doesn't work. So duplex gets around that. And duplex also makes it more human and more like you're actually having a meeting 
Because if you were sitting in a boardroom table having a meeting, everyone can talk at the same time, right? You don't have people just sitting there quiet and one person talking at the same time, unless it's a presentation. But even more importantly, if someone's listening in remotely um, and they're not necessarily watching what's going on and they speak, you'll hear them. It won't cut them out. So I think duplex audio for a conference call or phone system speaker, um, it's definitely important. Um, the other thing that was very innovative about the Speak 2, I'm going to hold it up. I'm not sure if I have a picture of it. and There might have been one earlier on this. On the cable, which actually wraps up around the base of the speaker. So if you look over there, I can actually, I'm busy doing it for those that are listening. It's got like a little groove under the speaker and you can wrap it up and the cord just stays there. So it's all neat and it goes into its carry pouch. But what I was talking about that's very cool is it comes with a USB-C cable, but there's a little USB-A adapter that's on like a little loop um, on the cable that you can just slide in and make it USB-A. Now, it might not seem like quite an important thing, but if you're using a, so for example, my Mac, there is only USB-C. So that's fine, right? But if I wanted to plug this into a hub that doesn't have USB-C um, and it's only USB-A, you've got to find an adapter. Well, no more looking. It's there right away. So as I said, it's one of those things that, you know, until you have it, you kind of, you don't miss it. And then you look at your next peripheral and you go, oh man, you know. And in fact, I've got one of those floating around because that is a bane of my existence. It's amazing. I keep looking for stuff today and I can't find it. There it is there, right? So it's just an adapter that converts a USB-A to USB-C. And I'm seeing mine's actually bent. And I use this for my hard drives, for my external hard drives. So if the external hard drive had a little adapter like this on the cable, It'll be easy. I don't have to search for things. So again, Jabra showing innovation. Um, yeah, very cool. Um, as I said earlier, there was a Microsoft um, Teams version that I have, and a little button on mine for Microsoft Teams certification. All three Speak2 models are MS Teams, Zoom, and Google Meet certified. Now, that's not a small feat. Um, you know, to get a certification when it comes to a big software company is quite something. It's quite stringent that you go through it. Um, oh, that was one of the other differences between the 40 and the 55 is because of Bluetooth, um, the 55 has Android fast pair. So if you're using an Android device, it's super quick to pair the two. You don't have to go into Bluetooth and turn it on and so on. So, yeah, um, that brings me to the end of my review of the Jabra Speak 255. Um if you are working in coffee shops, if you're going to like rented boardrooms, or even if you have a permanent boardroom and you have the need for a mic or speaker, rather, or, well, actually both. Um, in fact, I left that I left that out when I talked about the little lights. It also lets you know if your mic levels are active or not, or how close or how far you are from the mic. So you need to lean in more so that other people hear. Um, if the visual aspect is showing you that you're too far away. It does have four microphones and it uses a beam technology, so it will pick up your voice. Um, but in that rare instance, if you're sitting in this like super big environment, you might be a little bit far away, it actually would show you. So yeah, um, great device, easily to, easy portable. Um, what, as I said, what's really nice is I actually now have a nice speaker while I'm working off my Mac as well. Um, and I don't have to turn it off when the phone calls come through or when I jump onto a Teams call. So, um, yeah, that brings us to the end of Things with AZ. So on to tech news. Um, this was a scary thing, and I'm like, I'm doing a podcast, right? So this is like straight after my industry. 
But basically, with all the buzz about AI and OpenAI, I've actually just launched ChatGPT4. So ChatGPT3 is still free, but ChatGPT4 is only available to the subscribers. Um, and it, it's faster and it has less limits and so on. And it's obviously got a, um, a, a better algorithm or it's even more learned algorithm. But what I'm talking about now is a company called Futuri. I think that's how you pronounce it. So it's future with an I instead of future with an E. Um, and they asked themselves the question, why can't AI run a radio station? So they did it. They now have a product called Radio GPT. Now, there's a lot of GPTs going around. There's Mind GPT, there's Design GPT, there's lots of clones that are just using Chat GPT and reskinning them and making some money out of it, which is all good for them. But Radio GPT, what it basically does, right, is it scans Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, well, actually, 250,000 sources of news and social networks and blah, blah, blah. And it identifies trending topics in your local market. And then it produces a script. So there's the, the chat GPD side of it. <clears throat> it generates either an AI voice or you can get it to use voice samples of a host. So now let's just picture me, right? I'm using Radio GPT. I get it to record my voice. It's going to write a script. It's going to use my voice for the show. And I could be surfing. She this doesn't sound like such a bad thing. Well, but anyway, um, so now it's got a voice. It even allows for up to two or three host shows. So you can have someone else on joining you, either real voice or another AI voice. But it doesn't just stop there. It actually generates social posts and digital content as well. So while I'm sitting doing my show live, it's posting images and snippets and text that it's generated from the script onto your social networks as well. Now, when I first read this story, I thought, that's incredible. And then I realized it actually was like walking into a wall. I'm going to be out of a job soon. Um, I mean, it can produce anything. It probably can do a better job at finding the information than I can because it's, I'm just one person and I have to search. And there's quite a lot of prep that goes into a show. So as a techie, it's amazing. It's awesome. As a radio show host, it's as scary as. Uh, what it also does, I suppose, is... You know, for, for radio hosts that need to go away, unplanned vacations or family emergencies and so on, um, they can just get a script generated using their voice, right? And the show carries on. So it's definitely worth watching the space. I mean, TV's next. You can probably start doing narrow casting and, and using artificial intelligently generated people or maybe renderings of, of, of me. Yes, renderings of me. If you're watching the show, you can see me. And then maybe the AI just takes over and moves my mouth around. I, I don't know. I'm sure it's already coming or, or coming soon or maybe even available. So, yeah, Radio GPT. Um, what else do we have? Uh, so if you're watching the show, I've put a picture up of a floppy disk. Now, when I first put this picture up, I know this as a stiffy disk. But I was corrected. It's actually still referred to as a floppy disk because it's actually talking about the disk that's inside enclosure so floppy disk as i knew was a soft plastic thing with a little soft like um film round circle inside it the disk and then a stiffy disk which is what i've got here was the solid plastic um like more cassette style drive or memory stick but it also had the round soft floppy disk inside so collectively they called floppy disk so why do i have a picture of a technology that went out about 15 years ago. Well, the scary thing is, first of all, 
half my listeners probably don't even know what a floppy disk or never used one in their lives. Um, but, but, but be that as it may, the reason it's on the show is um, there are you might be wearing a T-shirt with an embroidery on, or you might have received a cargo delivery from a company called Geosky using one of their two Boeing 747s that still require floppy disks to update them and run them. True story. So just let's like think about that for a second, right? Anyone that does know what a um, floppy disk is in the memory of that and how old the tech is, um, they are updating planes that fly in the sky. So the embroidery I get, like, you know, it's an old embroidery machine and you don't want to change the tech and boom, off you go. But we have aeroplanes flying in our skies um, that are being programmed using a floppy disk. Look, it's only two, and I believe there's only about 20 in circulation of these planes, whereas there's like a million planes in the world, but still. So, um, yes, Sarah, you wouldn't have got that because you, were, you weren't around when we were still using floppy disks. So, yeah, that's why I have the picture of a floppy disk up on, on my slides today. So, uh, next, Ford has filed a patent to repossess your car remotely. Now, the patent will actually allow the bank or the finance company to remotely disable the car if payments are not made. I'm just thinking of like how errors can occur, right? Like, just say you paid, but they didn't see it. You're driving at 100 and something k's an hour, and next minute your car just goes, didn't pull to the side of the road. So, there's going to have to be fail safes and, and, things that happen before that happens. But, well, there are. Because included in this um, in this patent is that the lender would actually be able to disable certain features. So, for example, the radio or the air conditioning. Now, I live in the Gold Coast. We had a heat, well, it's always hot, but we had a heat wave for the last few weeks. I mean, we're in the middle of autumn and it was still, we need our air conditioners on. But you know, go to a place like Arizona or Dubai uh, or anywhere where it's just hot all year round and humid and you don't have an air conditioner. I mean, that's just cruel. So what would you do? You'd phone the Ford dealership to say, my air conditioner is not working, and they'll say, please bring it in. You take the car in, and of course, now you've lost your car because it's been repossessed. So from a tech point of view, I think it's pretty cool. Um, from a totalitarianism point of view, um, my wife actually said to me, that, this is why I'm not getting an electric car. The government wants to control us. Well, this is a case in point, right? They can control you. They can turn your machine off. I was sitting and thinking about things like emergencies. Like what happens if your wife's giving birth, but you because you've got a kid on the way, you decide that car payments are not important. You're driving to hospital or no, you want to drive to hospital and your car won't stop because it's been remotely turned off. Um, you know, that I, I would assume they would allow for emergency scenarios that you could push a button and maybe speak to someone. I didn't go through the whole patent, but what I can tell you with this is there is no longer any need for this guy or any of the bad actors that we had on TV. So if you're not watching the show, I've got a picture of Dog the Bounty Hunter. If you've ever wasted 25 minutes of your life and watched that TV show, then this patent is probably a good reason all on its own is that we won't need bounty hunters to come and repossess your car anymore. So it's not a bad thing. So sorry, Dog Bar, but uh, no, sorry, not sorry. I think that brings us to the end of... Um, things with a z now for are you game um i actually didn't um i'll just bring up the slide i didn't play any games this week gdc is on that's the um uh, game developers conference i was supposed to be there 
I don't actually know what caused me to not book tickets and go. It's in San Francisco, which is one of my favorite places in the world. I had a press pass to go there. I was looking forward to covering. I actually don't know why I didn't go. Anyway, so there, must, there must have been a reason why I'm doing something. Anyway, the point is GDC is on at the moment. So I've actually been spending the last week at all the pre-show launches, like things that are under embargo that we do get to see as press um, and also following who's going there. Um, I will be putting some of these games into play and featuring them on the show over the course of the next few weeks or months. There is one game in particular that's coming up that looks unbelievable from Bethsaida Studios. Um, that will definitely make it onto RU Game. I'm not doing any spoilers. But yeah, so I didn't play anything new this week. So Q&A, I actually got a good question, and I'm not sure if I've answered the question, but I'm just going to like read the question and go through my thinking. So the question came through, it says, Hi, Brett, my son wants to study programming. Which language should he choose? So I said to myself, well, that's a great question, and I don't actually think there's a clear answer. So again, I'm not sure if I'm right in this, so this is just an opinion. I mean, you asked me, I'm not volunteering it. There's a few variables, right? So first off, what does he want to do? That's like, you've got to sit down and actually decide which part of programming you want to go into. So for example, I just mentioned Game Developers Conference. If you were going to go into game design, then it needs to be an animation, right? But more importantly, um, he would need to know how to design on either Unreal Engine or um, Unity or, or both uh, because 90% of... of maybe even 100% of all the really big games out there are built on one of the two engines. Um, so if it's game, game development, or things in that space, and by the way, Unity and Unreal Engine are not only for game development. I mean, they're using all kinds of things in architectural 3D modeling, um, augmented reality. Um, so yeah, it's, it's those two engines are, well, the one's called Unreal Engine for a reason. It is Unreal. So. That's the first thing. If you're looking at something easy, like just to get started, um, a nice language with lots of different um, uh, options is Python. Um, so Python's quite an easy one. Not that any coding is easy, otherwise we would all do it. Uh, but Python's a nice one. If you're looking for more general, like but a really good solid foundation when it comes to code, then it's C. Um, C has always been the go-to language. Um, mobile apps would probably be um, uh, Java or React um, and JavaScript. Where does that come in? So that's like Java, but JavaScript, I think, is more like on the website side of things or databases, which is SQL. So there's quite a lot. So you know, as I said, the, if you've really got to decide which, which path you want to go. Um, the good news, though, is that no matter which way you go, like coding is pretty similar. You know, there's obviously different languages and different language styles in that. But if you've got a brain that's already in a, in a, a way or thinking when it comes to writing code, and most importantly, checking code and debugging code, um, you could probably go across to the other languages as well, like Ruby on Rails, which is what Twitter was originally built on. Um, but now also remember, and we spoke about AI Erdogan with Radio GPT, there is Chat GPT, which can actually now code for us. Um, Chat GPT and Radio GPT can probably speak better than I can as well. But it not only can it code, but it can debug. So if you do write code, you could put your code into Chat GPT and debug it. 
Um, I don't know actually if that's an opportunity or a threat. Um, someone wrote a nice statement the other day. They said, um, chat GPT won't take our jobs. We'll be creating jobs for people that know how to use chat GPT. I'm not quite sure that it's that linear. I do think that there's a lot of jobs that are going to be replaced. I mean, hey, uh, I listened to a couple of samples from Radio GPT. I don't know if they were real hosts that had been cloned or if they were AR hosts, but they played like a snippet of the weather and a snippet of the news and they even did, you know, sponsored by So literally you tell Radio GPT who the sponsor is and it just put it together and then it read the news source and pulled the weather in. So, you know, my job might be gone in a few years' time. Um, I do think I'm better looking than some of the current Dali E-generated uh, AR, but then again, it's my opinion. So, yeah, there's the uh, – that takes us to um, Q&A. Um, so I suppose that's the end, right? If after Q&A, that would be it. So uh, until next time, keep your screens clean and you're not trying.